kind of relate to the scripture that we're reading. And so um, what we're going to talk about this morning is simply what we just sung about. Uh, it's about laying down things in our life, laying down uh, good things and bad things in our life. But before we do, um, we've got some little housekeeping issues uh, to take care of this morning. We are a family. Amen. Turn to the person beside of you. Tell them you love them. Tell them you appreciate them. Tell them your family. Turn to the person on the other side. If nobody's sitting beside you, Lee, Tisha, Anthony, Tisha, I love you. Martha, Tisha, Tisha, Deborah, Pat, I love you. TJ, my man. That was crazy. That joker's crazy. Uh, let me tell you uh, about something that happened this week. You guys, most of you know, um, our dear friends, Ed and Joya Clayton. Ed is with us this morning. He is sitting right back here in the back. Ed and uh, Joya have a, a couple of, of kids, one of them being uh, Joy Culpepper. Most of you guys may remember Joy. She would come with Ed and Joya, and they would sit right about here, right in front of TJ and Callie there. Um, and uh, I want to share with you this morning um, that earlier this week, Joy, uh, Joy uh, passed away earlier this week. Um, so Ed and Joya's daughter, Joy, passed earlier um, this week. Is it Wednesday, Thursday? Thursday. Um, Joy is now, um, she is now joining angels in heaven as we speak, singing praises to God to his face. There is no separation right now between joy and the God of heaven. Um, so while we here mourn with Ed and Joya over the loss of a daughter, over the loss of a friend, over the loss of an amazing young lady, a great person that had an amazing personality that was as bubbly as could be, um, that uh, while we mourn here, she is doing just fine. Um, I will share this, and I know that we will share it again at the funeral on Saturday. Um, Joya, Joy Culpepper today is not dead. Amen. You may have read in the papers that Joy passed away last week. Not true. Joy Culpepper is more alive today than what we are sitting here in this building. She is alive in heaven with her father, with the creator, with the one that knows her better than any other. She is alive today. Um, Ed and their family wanted me to share with you all that their, her memorial service is planned for next Saturday at Foster Street at 2 o'clock. All are invited. If you cannot make it, it will be live streamed over Foster Street's uh, Facebook page. Um, so if you would please do me a favor and uh, over the next couple of days, be in prayer for Ed and Joya and their family. Ed, we love you. We appreciate you. We love your family very much. It is a great honor of me and all of us, amen, 
to be a part of your life and to have you guys as a part of ours. We love you very much. Let's say a quick prayer for Ed and their family, and then we will, we will keep moving. God, we thank you for Ed and Joya and Joy. God, we thank you for uh, the memories that we have with Joy. God, um, God, life's tough. Life's tough. But we find hope and comfort in your word today. We find hope and comfort in the truth today. That because joy was found in you, God, she is alive today. God, she is in your presence, singing, clapping, having a good time, while we are here with broken hearts for people that we love. God, I pray that you would pour out your love on this family like you never have before. God, I pray that you would give rest and comfort and peace. God, in the tough days ahead, I pray that you will continue to give rest, comfort, and peace as only you can. God, again, we thank you for Ed and Joya and, uh, and Joy. And we thank you for what they have meant to our lives and to our church. And God, we pray nothing but blessings and love on their family. God, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So real quickly here, we've been looking at the book of Genesis. We've been looking at, uh, we started in Genesis 1. If you have a Bible and would like to turn to Genesis chapter 22, we will be there in a couple of minutes. Um, We've made it all the way through Genesis 22. That's almost halfway through the book of Genesis. Uh, The book of Genesis is great. Have you guys enjoyed the past, what, month and a half, six weeks or so of Genesis? I hope so. If you haven't, don't tell me. Uh, Actually, you know what? If you haven't, do tell me. Don't just stop coming. Let me know. Don't just head out somewhere. Let me know. We can talk about it. Uh, So the past three weeks, we've been talking about faith. We talked about Noah's faith when Noah built the ark. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about Abraham's faith when it was tested, when God called him to leave his house, leave his land, leave his family, uh, pack up everything he had to go to a land that God did not tell him where it was. God did not say, I want you to go to Ramsour. I want you to go to Star. I want you to go to Chapel Hill. God didn't say any of that. God said, I want you to follow me. You will go to where a place where I will tell you where it is. Abraham followed, he obeyed, then he ran into a famine, and his faith was tested through the famine in Egypt. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, when faith causes us to wait, when faith causes us to kind of stay where we're at. And the tendency is, is that we have an, we have a, uh, the, uh, uh, we have the tendency to get ahead of God while we're waiting. And while we're waiting, we think that maybe God left us or God forgot about us. And uh, so I need to go do what God has said he would do for me. God hasn't held up his end of the bargain because I'm stuck here in this waiting period. So I'm going to go do God's job for him. We see that in the life of Abraham where God promised him a son. God promised him to make him a father of a great big nation. Um, And how all of a sudden Abraham was 75 years old. He had no kids. He had no son. So him and his wife Sarah decided they would take care of it for God, like that God needed their help. So um, 
uh, Sarah told Abraham, remember, fellas, this is my Valentine's advice to you guys last week, especially you married men, uh, write this down. If your wife encourages you to sleep with an Egyptian slave, do not do it. Right? Right. So that's what happened. And, of course, Hagar, the Egyptian, had a baby, named him Ishmael. Uh, but that was not the promised son that God had promised Abraham. But how during those waiting periods that we have the chance to get ahead of God. But while we're waiting, the truth is, and the hope or the, the kind of thing that gives us um, encouragement, is that while we're waiting, we're waiting on God with God. God hasn't left us in the waiting. God still works in the waiting. God still ministers in the waiting God still, still leads while we're waiting on him. Today we're going to look at Genesis 22, um, and it's another test that Abraham had. It's the biggest test, I believe, that Abraham had, and we're going to look at how Abraham responded in faith to that. Um, so before we get there, let's read quickly here, uh, Genesis 21. Real quickly, this is the birth of Isaac. This is what, uh, what happened, Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore, him a, bore her son, uh, bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son that, uh, that Sarah had born. So a little background here. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. 100 years old and had a baby. My wife is pregnant. We're going to have a baby in two months. You ain't lying. You ain't lying, Kathy. Two months, the middle of April sometime, y'all know how that goes. We're going to have a baby. November of this year, I'm going to be 40 years old. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. I've had a really good first 40, like a really good first 40. I've met a lot of good people. I've met a lot of punks, too, in my life. Um, I've been to a lot of cool places. Um, I've had a lot of cool experience. My first 40 has been really good. I believe, though, the second 40 is going to double in goodness how good the first 40 was. I believe that the next 40 of my life will be much more amazing, will be much more greater than the past 40. And my past 40 has been good. But I'm going to be 40 in November, and I cannot be more excited about it. Also in November, I will have a then 7-year-old and a 7-month-old at 40 years old. I've never, um, I've never felt more connected to a biblical character than I do right now with Abraham. That's, I'm joking, I kid. But can you imagine being 100 years old and getting ready to have a kid? Shoot. Y'all, knowing good and well, he ain't going to get to sleep. Knowing good and well, he's going to be changing diapers for three long years. If you're lucky, three years. Oh, all right, y'all. A couple more background things about going on here. Isaac's name, the name Isaac means uh, laughter, means joy. Uh, because if you um, think back to um, last week when 
God told Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son, and they were already old at that time, 75, uh, Sarah laughed. She thought, <laughs> you have no kid. That was my reaction when Kelly came to me about a year and a half ago and said, hey, you want to talk about having another baby? I said, <laughs> no lie, I can't tell that story. I will tell some of you about it some other time. She tricked me into it, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so Abraham uh, and Sarah had Isaac. Um, there, the name means, <laughs> gosh, y'all, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Oh, I'm so bad. Uh, the name means laughter. Uh, that a- Isaac was their only child. He was the promised son that God had promised Abraham uh, years ago. God fulfilled his promise. Abraham, uh, Isaac was Abraham and Sarah's prized possession. He was the joy of their life. He was the only son that they loved very much. Then we get to Genesis chapter 22, and we see the amazing faith test, and we see how Abraham, um, how Abraham responded to that faith test in Genesis chapter 22. Before we look at that, let me share one thing about faith test. If you're a believer in the Lord, you can expect to have tests in life. Amen? If you are a believer in the Lord, you can expect for tests to come into your life. Now, let me say this. Just because you're going through a difficult situation, that does not necessarily mean that your faith is being tested. Right? A difficult situation could mean life just kicked you in the face. A difficult situation could mean you made a bonehead move and went left when you should have went right, and now you've got to take care of it because you disobeyed on the front end. A difficult situation could mean I'm dumb, (laughs) right? We get ourselves in difficult situations. Other people get us in difficult situations. Life itself gets us in difficult situations. Just because you're going through a valley or just because you're facing a difficult circumstance does not necessarily mean that it is a faith test. And the way that you can tell is simply this. If you go through that valley, you go through that test, you go through that trial, and you did not learn anything, I bet that you will go through that same test again a little bit later because every time you go through a struggle, you go through a valley, you go through a test, God wants you to learn something about him, God wants you to learn something about yourself, and God wants you to learn something about your relationship together. What happens is we face these tests, we don't learn, we didn't pass it, we don't grow. Guess what? Six months later, you're going to have to face that same test again. Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago, there's a difference between a test and temptation, right? Temptation is sent from the enemy, is sent from Satan to tear you down, to cause you to sin, to take you out. A test is sent from the Father to help build you up to show you what it is that God wants to teach you about yourself, about him, and about your relationship together. Expect to have tests in your life. They're going to come, and they're good for you, right? It seems like in the past couple of years, we don't like struggle. We don't like the valley. We don't like the tough times. We don't like the trials. We don't like the tests. And I get it. Nobody likes it. I understand. 
However, if you go through a test and if you go through a valley and you don't learn anything about the Lord, you don't learn anything about yourself, and you don't learn anything about your relationship together, man, you have wasted an amazing opportunity that you had a chance to grow in faith and come out on the other end of that valley better than you were on the front end of that valley. Tests come so that you can come out better and not bitter. Tests come, James says, so that your faith can be perfected and you can be complete and mature, not lacking anything. Tests are good things. Embrace the struggle. Embrace the test. Embrace the valley. Trust the Lord in the valley and learn about him, about you, and about your relationship together. Amen? Genesis 22. All right, Genesis 22. We're going to go through this kind of quick because I just want to go through it quick. (laughs) Genesis 22, there's two things I believe that we can learn about Abraham's test and about his, uh, his response in faith. Let's read verses 1 through 5, Genesis 22, 1 through 5. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, here I am, Uh, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Y'all read that next word? Y'all see that? Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took him, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. One thing I believe that we can learn during a faith test is simply this. God's promises are better than our need for explanations. God's promises are better, are greater, are more important than our need for an explanation. Set the stage here. Look at what was happening. Isaac was the promised son. The son that Abraham waited and waited and waited till he was 100 years old. God fulfilled that promise. And now sometime later, scholars believe it's between 10 and 12, 10 to 15 years uh, old is how old Isaac was. God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son up to a mountain that I show you. And I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Let me tell you about a burnt offering. It's You can read about it in Leviticus chapter 6 if you'd like. A burnt offering is this. You take whatever the required sacrifice is. In this case, it would be Isaac. You take the sacrifice. You tie it to an altar. You tie it to a bale of wood. Set it on fire. Burnt offering. There's more to it. There's more to it. Not only does it burn up, you have to let the fire burn all night so that it completely burns up. After that, you take the ashes that were left from the sacrifice, from the offering, and you don't just leave them there. You bury those ashes. God is here calling Abraham not to just, I want you to sacrifice your son, 
No, I want you to take your son and wipe him completely away so that there's no trace of him whatsoever. There's nothing of his that is left here. Crazy, right? Some of you may be thinking, I thought we were supposed to be talking good about Jesus and good about God. We'll get there. We'll get there, I promise. So that's what we have here. That's where we find Abraham and Isaac here in Genesis 22. Notice how Abraham did not try to cut a deal with God, right? Abraham didn't say, but God, wait a second. What if I brought you like two cattle and three chickens and two doves? He didn't try to do that. He didn't try to bargain with God. He didn't ask God why. He didn't say anything at all. All he did was, in verse 3, we see early the next morning, Abraham got up, got his stuff ready, got the wood ready, got the donkeys ready, him and Isaac and two servants, they left out to go find the place that God had picked out for them. Why did Abraham do that? Because God's promises are greater than our need for explanations. Abraham didn't need an explanation from God. Abraham didn't need to know why God was doing this. Abraham didn't need to know what made God think this would be okay for me to completely wipe out my only son that I love. Abraham did not care about the explanation because the promises that God made Abraham are greater than the explanations that Abraham needed to know. God had promised Abraham a son. God fulfilled that promise. And Abraham was simply trusting in that promise. We see in the book of Hebrews, we get, like a, we get a better glimpse of kind of what Abraham was thinking here and what Abraham was looking at here. Abraham or says this about Abraham in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his own one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned. Here's what Abraham was thinking. Abraham reasoned that God could never re- that ah, I messed that up. Abraham reasoned that that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. What was Abraham thinking when he responded to God calling him to sacrifice his son? He was thinking, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Why? Because you promised me a son. You promised that I would be a father of a great nation. So even if this son dies, I believe that God can raise him from the dead. That, my friends, is what you call obedient faith. Amen? That is faith in the Lord to trust that deeply in the promises that God had given him that even if he were to sacrifice his own son, he had trust and hope and belief and faith in the father that even if Isaac was dead, God had the power to raise him from the dead. What bothers me, two things that bothers me about this whole story. Number one, uh, it... (laughs) I don't know which is kind of more egregious, the fact that God would ask Abraham to sacrifice his son or the fact that Abraham would just up and do it, right? Ah, crazy. And number two, what in the world kind of test would 
God be doing to ask Abraham to sacrifice his son? Like we just said, we can expect tests, right? Tests are going to happen. Struggles are going to come. That kind of struggle? What was the purpose? Can I tell you what I think the purpose is? And can I tell you why I believe it relates to us today? There are times in our life today where we can get ourselves in big trouble when we start loving things that are created more than we do the creator of the things. We start loving the blessing that God gave us more than we do the one that gave us the blessing. I believe this test of Abraham was all about Abraham's love for the blessing and the blesser. There, there was a chance for Abraham here to put Isaac ahead of his love for the father because he was his only son. He was the promised son. He was the one that God had said, this is your seed. He will be the, he will be the next in line in the great nation. There's a chance there that Abraham could have put Isaac ahead of the Lord. So can I ask you a question? Has there ever been a time in your life where you had an Isaac, where you had someone or something that was the most important thing in your life? Has there ever been a time in your life where you have loved and wanted and desired something that God created more than the God that created that creation. Let me ask it this way. If you took your family out of your life, would you still have faith in the Lord? If you took your health your physical health was gone, would you still have faith in the Lord? If your income was gone, would you still have faith in the Lord? If you didn't have any food in your house, would you still have faith in the Lord? If you didn't have a car or two or three sitting in your driveway, if you didn't have heat in your house or air conditioned in the summer, would you still have faith? If you did not have a house, would you still have faith in the Lord? That's what God is asking Abraham here. If you take the son away, are you still with me? You still believe? We see Abraham's response was an emphatic, yes, I still believe, because I believe that you promised me this son. Not only did you promise me the son, but you have the power to raise him from the dead. Whatever you want me to do, I am in. God's promises today are more important, are greater than any explanation that we may think we need to be able to follow the Lord. When God calls, he promises. We don't need explanations. We may want them, right? We may would like to have them. They're not necessary. What's necessary is God's promise. Amen? Number two, 
we see that when God calls, God provides. When God calls, God provides. Keep reading Genesis 22, starting in verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, but where is the burnt offering? I think if I was Isaac, that would be my question as well. Right? Like, Dad, like the wood's here, we got the fire, we got the knife. Where's that animal? I would love to know what Isaac was thinking. Love to know. All right, where are we at here? Verse 9, no, verse 8. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. When the Lord calls, the Lord provides. When the Lord calls, the Lord provides. While Abraham and Isaac was walking up that mountain with no sacrifice, according to Isaac, no sacrifice in sight, Abraham had his sacrifice, which was his son Isaac. While they were walking up one side of the mountain, I believe on the other side of the mountain was the provided ram that God had provided. We may not always see the provision of the Lord. We may not always know how God's going to provide. We may not always know what happens at the top of the mountain. We may not always know how God's going to do what God's going to do, but we know God's going to do what God's going to do because when the Lord calls, the Lord provides. Amen? God had already provided that ram when they got to the top of the mountain. They didn't know it. Abraham had no clue. Isaac had no clue. The Lord did. When the Lord calls, the Lord provides. I don't know what your need may be today, but what I do know this, God is more than enough for you today. Every need that we have in our life, physical, spiritual, financial, relational, God is more than enough to provide for. Not only is God more than enough to provide for, God, God, let me see here. Not only is God more than enough than to provide for, God will provide for it. God can provide for it. And even if he doesn't provide for it, we still have faith in the Lord. Right? Think back to a couple weeks ago when Jacob Clapp was here talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was their response. I believe that God can. I believe that God will. But even if he doesn't, we will praise the name of the Lord. Whatever our needs are today, 
God can provide. I made a list, and I hope this may help you out today. To the imprisoned, he's the key to freedom. To the sick, he's the cure. To the attacked, he's the advocate. To the addicted, he's the supplier. To the debtor, he's the, he's the payer of our debts. To the lonely, he's the comforter. To the drowning, he's the anchor. To the homeless, he's the cornerstone. To the wanderer, he's the way. To the seeker, he's the truth. To the dead, he's the life. To the hungry, he's the bread. To the lost sinner, he's the forgiver. To the broken, he is your hope. And to the one today that is found in darkness, he is the light. No matter what you're facing today, God calls, God provides. God calls, God provides. Come on up, man. I skipped over verse 5 in Genesis 22, but I just want to go back and highlight it because it's amazing, and I believe it's the best, maybe one of the best verses found in this section. So let's read, uh, let's read mm, verses 3, 4, and 5 again. Genesis 22, 3, 4, and 5. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two, two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Now, check out verse 5. Oh, this is so good. Abraham said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Where's over there? To the mountain. To do what over there? To sacrifice his son. Y'all read this next sentence. We, meaning who? We will worship, and then we, meaning who? Abraham and Isaac will come back to you. Oh, he knew. Abraham told the servants, me and the boy are going up the mountain. Me and the boy will be back here with you. Why did he know? Because of the Lord's promise. Because of the Lord's power. Because he knew the Father. He knew that God called me. God promised me a son. God promised me to be a great nation. And God's not a liar. God's not going to break his promise. God promised me this. God will fulfill this. That, my friends, verse 5, 22 verse 5, is the definition of obedient faith. We will go to the mountain and we will come back to you. We're introduced there in verse 14. We see that, God, that Abraham calls God the great provider. God will provide. That mountain is known as the mountain that the Lord will provide. The Hebrew name for God there is Jehovah-Jireh. Everybody say that. Jehovah-Jireh. Jireh. That may be the name of our baby. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah means the Lord. Jireh means provide. The Lord 
the provider. The, uh, the word-to-word translation of Jehovah Jireh is the Lord will see to it. The Lord will see to it. What Abraham is saying here is, me and the boy will go, me and the boy will come back, and the Lord will see to it. He will see that we come back. He will see that we are provided for. He will see that a ram will be provided for. He will take care of us because of his promise and because of his power. I want you to know today that in your time of need, the Lord has promised to be with you. The Lord has promised to take care of you as his sons and as his daughters. And the Lord is more than enough. The Lord will see to it that you will be taken care of, that you will be loved, that you will be forgiven, you will be shown grace and mercy, that God's presence will be with you always. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord will see to it. Amen? Let's stand together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Abraham and Isaac. And God, while sometimes this story may look crazy and may not make sense to us, God, help us to see you in this story. Help us to know you better. Help us to know your word more. God, help us to know that you are the provider. Help us to know that you're the source. Help us to know that you will see to it. Because you have promised us as your sons and as your daughters, you have promised your presence with us. You have promised us love and grace and forgiveness. God, I pray for those of us here this morning that are facing a test, that are facing a valley, that are facing a struggle, that is facing a trial. God, I pray that our response, I pray that our response would be that of obedient faith our faith is not found in what we do our faith is not found in what we have said but our faith is found in your promises our faith is found in your words our faith is found in you God I believe today that you will see to it God, help us to know, help us to believe, help us to accept that you will see to it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.